Hello, I'm Rachel Lyman, and we want to welcome you to our 2023 Interfaith Connection podcast. This is a Spiritual Life Center monthly podcast dedicated to the exploration of faith traditions that promote love. Rev. Dave Lyman is my partner in marriage and also my senior minister partner for our Interfaith Explorers organization. We're both so excited to be starting our third year of podcasts on this grand adventure. Our goal this year is to explore and make new friends at faith communities in the greater Sacramento region where interfaith continues to grow. We also want to encourage your feedback as you participate in interfaith events and field trips, read our newsletter and listen to our monthly podcasts. So as we say each year, buckle up and get ready for the exciting year ahead. Hello, this is Rachel Lyman, and we're so happy to be with you today. And welcome to our July 2023 Interfaith Connection podcast. For this, for this particular podcast, we're going to kind of step back from the wonderful interviews that we've been doing from, for the past six months. And we've asked Dave to explore and do some research about three elements of spiritual rituals that are used in many faith traditions. We also wanted to bring you up to date on our podcast. <clears throat> we just recently almost uh, achieved 1,200 listening hits for our podcast and should in the next week or two. That monthly program can be achieved on Podbean or on Spiritual Life Center website. But we've also been named as one of the top 15 interfaith podcasts on the internet, coming in at number seven. So if you've been listening all along, we give thanks for that. But stop and go back. If there's something you missed, take a listen. If you're new to our podcast platforms, how exciting. You have 30 podcasts. They'll give you a wide and varied set of subjects all around interfaith in the region. Today, we're looking, taking a look at significance of rituals in a particular area. And we're going to focus on three approaches to spiritual practices. We're going to take a look at the use of beads, bells, and candles. We'll look at the various faith traditions and how these three items appear all across faith traditions. So off we go on another grand adventure. Oh, yes. And before we start this grand adventure, Dave, you said you wanted to present a challenge for our listeners today. And what is that challenge? I did. I do want to do that, Rachel, because my mind is often filled with many things that are of no interest to anyone, but I share them anyway. So I wanted to put this challenge out. We're doing a podcast on beads, bell, and candle. When you hear that title and you think, I own a cat, why would my name of the cat be Piewacket? Piewacket. We'll answer at the end of the podcast. So you've been listening to Reverend Dave Lyman, who is our senior minister for our Interfaith Explorer group. And I love working with Dave. And part of that reason is he's my beloved husband. We have a lot of fun doing these podcasts together, 
as well as all of our other interfaith activities. He also loves to do background research. And for this particular podcast, Dave did all of the research. So Dave, let's let's get started here. What kind of information did you find about the use of beads in the various faith traditions? You know, Rachel, I'd love to do that. There's an estimate that Christians, Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists make up 77% of the world's religious population. And all of these traditions use beads in their practices. So let's take a look about the nature of spiritual and religious use of beads. And we're going to start off with Roman Catholics and rosary beads. Well, Dave, I want to just interject here that both you and I have been practicing Roman Catholics in our past, and we've both actually used rosary beads, sometimes on a daily basis. Thanks, Rachel. A Catholic rosary typically is finished with a cross along with 54 beads and five separate different beads. A rosary is a religious focus to keep track of prayers because typically a rosary in the Catholic tradition is around a huge number of prayers. It brings comfort. It adds a deeper connection to God. It's designed in clusters for a reason. The smaller beads are called Hail Mary beads, and each time a bead is touched, a Hail Mary prayer is performed, going, Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Jesus, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The final bead in the cluster would be the prayer, Glory Be, which goes, Glory be to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, it is now, and ever shall be the world without end. The Our Father beads are a little larger, often, sometimes even being medallions, and they're the traditional Our Father prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, blessed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. These secondary bids, beads split out the clusters. The rosary has a loop with a cross at the end of it to finish off the ritual. The practice of the rosary started with medieval monks, and Pope Leo X back in 1520 gave formal approval and made the rosary prayers and beads a part of the Catholic tradition. It's also used to recite the 150 psalms there are, and these rosaries actually are 150 bids, beads long. They are then called patermasters. And I apologize when I keep on trying to say bid. I am speaking of beads. Beads, that's true. It's your turn, Rachel. Yeah, so we're going to switch over to the Islam faith and their beads. <laughs> <laughs> Bids and breeds. There we go. Beads. Here we go. Are referred to as misbaha, tasbi, or sibha. And they typically contain 99 normal sized beads. And actually, they have a, uh, a bead that represents 
the 99 names which they've given to Allah, which is their, their God. Sibha means to exalt in the Urdu language. And the beads are separated every three, three, boy, 33 beads by two smaller or mini beads. And sometimes there, there isn't a separation. Sometimes there are. And the beads are traditionally used to keep count while saying their prayers. The prayer is considered a form of dikki that involves repetitive utterances of a short sentence in the praise and glorification of Allah. And the use of beads in Islam is a form of innovation that was actually not used by the early Muslims. And we'll jump over to the Hindus. The Hindus call their beads Japamala, which breaks down to Japa being repeating the name of a deity and Mala meaning a garland or water. Japamala are used in three different ways as a Hindu norm of mantra, as an aid for meditation, and in spiritual exercises. The most common mala has 108 beads. The beads have colors, and each bead has a meaning and strong intentions depending on that particular color. So we're going to ask Dave to explore the spiritual mala beads by color so that we, it's really interesting so we can better understand what color we maybe need to wear to benefit the energy we're looking for. Does it remind you of something, honey? It really does. Remember back in the 1970s when we used to wear what they call mood bracelets and each bead, uh, when you uh, were angry, your bracelet would turn like red and when you were calm, it would be blue or something like that. It was a lot of fun. Well, actually, by wearing or using mala beads of a certain color, you actually are considered to be attracting those energies. So let's go through the colors really quick. If you're looking to boost your creativity or spiritual connection, blue and purple are your colors. White will stand for purity, innocence, and beginnings. Green is around healing and abundance. Blue is the color of peace and communication. Brown is grounding and connection. Black is protection. Red beads are passion and energy. Pink beads are love and compassion. Yellow beads bring clarity and wisdom. And orange means creativity and joy. Now, switching again to another faith tradition, Buddhism also uses mala beads, though the number of the beads are different for them. For instance, 27 beads are common and are called prostration rosaries because they're easier to hold. Buddhists also have a 108 bead count for worldly desires. Well, when I heard you say that in your research, I went, 108 worldly desires? Well, I now I'll have to start making a list, I guess. That seems like a huge number, but maybe maybe it really isn't. I don't maybe, know. Maybe that's why the world is like a pinball machine going from <laughs> one place to another. Now, Sikh worshippers use mala beads when reciting verses from their holy book, the Guru Granth Sahib. The beads are actually used as part of the Sikh attire. You'll see them on their turbans or their wrists and are known as simrani. 
The Baha'i faith stimulates that the God, the all-glorious, be recited 95 times daily after the performance of ablutions. So prayer beads are often used to help facilitate the process and allow the prayer to know where he is or she is. Baha'i prayer beads are made of natural man-made materials and consist of 95 individual beads on a strand or a strand of 19 beads with five set counters. Well, that just sounds like a lot of work to use beads for all the different faiths. But then we have to remember that we too, as practicing Catholics, use the rosary beads and did the, and we also did Stations of the Cross and um, the beads for the Psalms as well. So we were tied into all of that as well. It was really interesting, Rachel, when you and I went to Hawaii the first time, the, we found there was a special necklace of a particular type of bead called koa wood beads. There's a great spirituality in the beads, and they're only found in two forests in the world. Rachel and I are actually really blessed to each have a strand of the beads that sit on our altar. And during our trip, we actually visited one of the forests. There's a particular seed that ends up producing that sacred nut that's used in these beads. And we noticed as we walked this forest, a profound sense of sacred silence. Yes, and I want to clarify, we were actually on the island of Kauai. Uh, and that forest was on that particular island. And yes, it was so quiet. Uh, and it felt like we were walking on hollowed ground, definitely a, a thin place. And they have uh, I, uh, something that looks like blueberries, only they're larger. Uh, they're seeds that fall from these particular trees, which have a very unique root system, beautiful root system, very different. And then they, uh, the Hawaiians process those beads and they're very uh, uh, sacred beads to all Hawaiians. So in the end, you can see the use of beads in many faith traditions are that of a placeholder. So the faith followers know where they are. Orthodox Greek and Russian Christians actually use knots for their beads. And Greek prayer ropes, ropes are called kambalonshan. And Russian prayer ropes are called chakti. Greek knots are 3350 and 100, while Russian knots are 2200 and 500. In Africa, the Maasai tribe use beads as do Native Americans in many ways. Well, that's just that's so fascinating. So, uh, in your research, I know you mentioned already some reasons for using the beads, but did you find other reasons that they use the beads in their spiritual practices? There's lots of reasons. Uh, the most common, of course, is in the use of beads, they're, uh, again, a placeholder. Um, many of the beads are around rituals that have huge numbers of prayers, almost chants and mantras. And it allows you not to have your mind wander off into space. It tells you where you are. We also found a place uh, that the beads are used as part of the religion itself. In the end, there's 4,300 religions practiced, and beads are used in many of them. So, Rachel, that covers more about beads than we ever wanted to know, but it's such a fascinating subject. 
They're an important part of so many faith traditions. That's so true, Dave. And that information on the use of bees was fascinating. Uh, things that I certainly didn't know or, or now now I appreciate beads a lot more. So uh, let's move on to the next uh, element. And what, what did you found in, find in your research on the use of bells in the religious and spiritual world? Gosh, Rachel, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> I grew up as a Catholic participating in the process, and I was an altar boy. And I wasn't the altar boy that did Sunday Mass. I did the 6 a.m. Mass daily all year long. And as an altar boy in each service, there were points in time when we rang bells. And we rang those bells during the services to denote the sacredness of the communion moment when the host became the body of, of Christ. Where else do burial bells occur? Well, um, it, you gave me some uh, information that you found uh, on witches' bells. So would you share that with us? Sure, I will. Be glad to. Well, we don't think about witches probably that often, but they're certainly a, a faith tradition. And they uh, their bells are uh, smaller. They're, <clears throat> excuse me, a handheld size set of what they call magical bells. And what they do is they hang them from a doorknob or a nail in the home. <clears throat> excuse me. Hanging bells at your front door also helps to raise the good vibrations through the sound. Uh, and there's an actual incantation that you found, uh, which, uh, which is used for the bells on the front door. And I quote, guard my home, bells on the door. Let only blessings walk on this floor. Lock all evil and the dark arts. May only good approach our hearts, end quote. I, I like that. I think I'm going to hang some of my bells near my front door, too. <clears throat> so bells actually have been used throughout differing cultures, societies, and faith traditions, which you found. And the spiritual meaning of bells can be that of beginnings and endings, a call to order, meditative beginnings and endings, or even a command or a warning. In our house, we have altars in two different rooms in the house. Our dining room altar has a Tibetan bell. It's been said you do not find your Tibetan bell, it finds you. So years ago, I was at an Evolving Times Fair convention, and I was ringing Tibetan bells, and one of them just shook me to the core. So I went off to get the money to come back and buy it. And when I got back, it had been sold. It was another three years before I was in another place where I found another bell that impacted me like that. And that bell now sits on our altar. And I have to say that that <clears throat> Tibetan bell uh, is special to you and special to me too, because it does have a very sacred. Uh, ring to it. Uh, and also when you ring it and you swirl it around, the sound stays in the room and, and goes out like a, a wave. It's beautiful. So since we're talking about bells, I too, I wanted to share that when I was uh, active in my former Presbyterian church, 
I was actually part of a bell choir for over two years. And the bell songs that we performed provided very special music. Uh, and I think the bell, the sound of the bells penetrated the souls of everyone that was listening those in those days. And most of the bell choir, most of us were given like only two bells to play. And we had music we had to read and notes and knew when we had to come in on a particular song. But the leader of the group actually played five bells, which was spectacular and a very difficult thing to do. So that was a really beautiful memory for me. You know, overall, bells have been associated with protection as alarms and warning. They were made of iron because that was considered the ultimate protection. And church bells were also used to announce joyful occasion and the start of services. Well, funerals and births were announced through bells. Businesses often hang bells over a door to alert the owner. And when we went to Bali and visited Bali years ago, we found that they had little altars and many of the altars had bells. Bells have a place in paganism also. I mentioned iron bells for protection, but in paganism, they're made of iron because that will agitate and keep the fairies away. The word bell literally translates this to roar, to make a loud noise. They were invented in China in the third millennium. By the time we got to the medieval period of time, they'd become a prominent and permanent tool. During Roman times, the citizens would hang tiny bells and wind chimes on the gates of their home and at their altar. Bells at the front door help raise the good vibrations, and their spells and sound keep harm away from you and your family. Well, I like that front door practice of bells. Like I said, after this podcast, I think I'm going to either buy some bells or find some around the house and hang them near the front door. <laughs> it's kind of nice. It's also a welcoming. It can be a welcoming for people. Well, um, we have some beautiful Corinthian chimes, which are all co also considered bells. And there's six, six bells in this particular Corinthian chimes group. And we have them hanging on our back patio. And they were a, a wedding gift to us. And it was amazing because when they... When the wind goes through them, they sound very ethereal. And when the wind chimes, when they chime, they let us know of the weather changes. And also, I always feel that my mom or dad or spirits of, and fr of friends and family who have passed are just saying hello. That's very sweet, Rachel. Now, we've talked about beads, we've talked about bells, and now we come to the last part of our subject, the use of candles. And I'll bet, Rachel, you have some things to share with us. Well, yes, Dave, the last commonality among many of the faith traditions is found in the use of candles. And so you've done a ton of research on that. Yeah, you want to talk like about uh, what how the evolution of the use of candles came about. Would you like me to talk about that, Rachel? 
I would, since you uh, did the research and you're and you love what you've done and read. And yes. How about if I do that? How about if I do that right now? Oh, that sounds like a good idea. (laughs) Go ahead, Dave. Candles have been used for centuries. It's a, a great symbol because at night when the early man sat in his caves, the darkness was overwhelming. There were big, bad things out there, both known and unknown, and many of them were out to get him. Thus was born candles. And they started to get ritual and very spiritual because it was almost as if they provided the light, which is what they did. It's a light of spirit. Christianity was a popular faith tradition with a number of sects, and candles became very important in their rituals. They're used during Christmas because before we had electricity, before we had oil-based wick lamps, we had candles. They were used to decorate homes, and they were hung on Christmas trees during the cold, dark winter to celebrate the coming of the Christ child. They would bring light to homes and spaces because the sun would set early. And the practical use of candles was forgotten, and thus was born the faith tradition and the spirituality. Now, a lighted candle often represents the Christ child, and many surfaces across many faith traditions start off with lighting the Christ child candle. A lot of the European cathedrals have a main cathedral and then a number of side altars. And in all the cathedrals, in one of the side altars, there is a group of votive candles, which are lit to remind the attendees of the past, of family who've passed on, of remembrance. Well, on that particular trip uh, where we went many years ago with uh, Richard Burdett to see sacred sites, that was in Europe. Um, I remember a, a very special moment when in one of the large cathedrals in a side uh, uh, altar, I went up and I lit votive candles for each of my family and friends. And it was just a very sacred, special moment for me. And we actually have a sweet photo of that because, Rachel, you were wearing a, a scarf over your head. and. Your face was lit up by the candles, and it was very, very precious. Now we move on, and Judaism uses candles to set the mood of the the calm and quiet and a lot of different rituals. Hanukkah, it's very strong use of candles. The nine candles are placed in a candelabrum known as a menorah, and one is lit each night and represents the rededication of the temple. Candles are also used on their sacred holy days. In 2021, um, I came up with an idea of having uh, some programs on candelabras. And so we had a Rituals of Light Part 1 and Part 2 at Spiritual Life Center on Wednesday nights. First one occurred August 4th, 2021. And... um, 
they we did explore the Hanukkah, uh, a Hanukkah and the menorah. And also that night we explored Diwali and um, I made a rangoli with uh, votive candles. And they, for the Hanukkah program, we had special guest Anne Roach and her mother, Carol Bruce. And they both chanted Jewish sayings as they lit each candle of the menorah and talked about Hanukkah. And then uh, later that evening, we explored Diwali with the rangoli and lighting of the votive candles within the rangoli. And um, we explain that the candles are part of the rituals of light during this, I think it's a seven-day festival, because light represents welcoming and and, and, uh, sacredness. So, um, and also the votive candles could be uh, welcoming all of the different Hindu gods. So, the other uh, program we did, uh, Rituals of Light Part 2, we took a look at a ceremony called Kawanza. Well, actually, it's another week-long celebration, and it's a, an African-American celebration. And they use a wooden candelabra known as a kinara, K-I-N-A-R-A. And the kinara is filled with seven candles, three red on the left and three green on the right, and a black candle in the center. And each night of the week, a candle is lit, and each candle represents a principle of the African-American culture. So it's a festival to remember their ancestors and to reinforce their culture. And that particular program uh, was videotaped on September 15th. Um, and also the second part of that particular evening, we looked at the Advent wreath, which is used by the Christian faith. And we had guest Reverend Judith Davis talk about the history of the Advent wreath. And Kathy Frank lit its four candles, which represented joy, hope, peace, and love. And all the candles, and there's an additional Christ candle in the middle, are then lit on Christmas Day. And so if you miss those particular programs, you can still watch these demonstrations and learn about the histories of these candelabras uh, by going to your internet platform and search for Spiritual Life Center Rituals of Light. And that will take you directly to these two video recordings. Also, before the end of the year, in the next couple of months, we will be airing those on Channel 19, SAC Faith TV. And when that occurs, we will have that in our newsletter and let you know. Now, Buddhists use candles in a slightly different way. In Buddhism, candles represent respect and deference, and they remind the Buddhists of impermanence and change. Candles are lit before the time of Lent to invoke change. And there is even a Buddhist festival called, of course, the Candle Festival. During this festival, people prayed with candles of all colors to represent the beliefs of community, willpower, and unity. And of course, for Rachel and I, Hinduism has the holiday called Diwali, which is a favorite for us. 
It's called the Festival of Lights. It's a five-day celebration. And a candelabrum called the Dia is lit inside the home and can stand alone or float in the bottle of water. I say bottle of water over and over again. Actually, it's a bowl of water. Because putting a candle inside a bottle of water is more difficult. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> so most faith traditions use candles. The candles signify peace and unity and light. The light of love. Wow. Well, we could dive even deeper into the use of beads, bells, and candles. However, I think you did an amazing job touching on the unusual as well as the familiar with all of those elements to explore how they are used and how important they are in the rituals and practices of seekers of each of the faith traditions that we mentioned and of many faith traditions in the whole world. So we're glad you joined us today. And before we go, however, remember, Dave has challenged you with a question. Why is our cat for this podcast named Piwacket? So, Dave, are you going to actually give us the answer to this? Maybe I should wait until the next podcast. You could. <laughs> I better do it now. I, I am a trivia person. There was a movie in 1958 called Bell, Book, and Candle. It's a fantasy romantic movie with Kim Novak and Jimmy Stewart, Jack Lemmon, and Ernie Kovacs. Kim Novak in the movie plays a witch who ends up falling in love with a normal human being. Kim's Siamese cat, who is also her familiar, was named Piwacket. And there you have it. That's the answer to the, the mystery. <laughs> well, there you have my senior minister. And, and you have often said, Dave, that your mind is filled with a lot of little-known facts about many items of interest. Well, today, Dave, I think your mind was filled with a lot of amazing, useful facts. And we thank you for all of your hard work and the background research and putting this huge paper together. <laughs> well, and of course, Rachel, because of the fact that I'm a punny kind of guy, it actually gives you the opportunity to call me a ding-a-ling. No. <laughs> anyway, I won't do that. Okay. So I think with all of this and everything I heard today, we can say without a doubt once again, how, how much this proves that all faiths have a sacred commonality about them and, and in their rituals of using beads and bells and candles and in and their own ways to connect deeper with spirit. So I think that's pretty extraordinary to, to realize that once again. So we thank you for listening today. And if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions for us, please send them directly to me at rachel24 at surewest.net. We do look forward to hearing from you, and we will consider any of your, of your comments. So our Interfaith Connection podcast next month is going to feature either one or two special guests and a very special topic. 
And we're not going to spill the beans on that yet. So you have to tune in for that. So keep keep connecting to with other people, other cultures, other faiths, to build those bridges of understanding and peace in your own world. For what you do will go out into the, the big world and bring about that peace we're looking for. So thank you and namaste. Thank you for joining us today to explore a deeper understanding of our interfaith look at the world. This 2023 podcast will be aired the fourth Thursday of the month on Spiritual Life Center's website, slcworld.org, under Interfaith Connection Podcasts. You can also listen to our previous 24-plus podcasts at this same location. And we want to hear from you. So send us your comments, questions, or suggestions to me. That's Rachel Lyman at rachel24 at surewest.net. That's R-A-C-H-E-L-2-4 at S-U-R-E-W-E-S-T dot net. And let us remember as we go along our different paths that Gandhi once said, a peaceful exploration of all faiths is our sacred duty. Namaste.